you are listening to Autoimmune Community Voices, a podcast about diverse experiences and information from the autoimmune community. For more information about the Autoimmune Community Institute, visit acicommunity.org. I'm very excited to share this very special episode with you today as we speak to Dr. Noel Rose, who is considered the father of autoimmunology. He is an immunologist, pathologist, and a molecular biologist, long associated with Johns Hopkins University, where he has served as a professor and the chair of the Department of Immunology and Infectious Diseases, and now he is located at the Brigham and Women's Hospital at Harvard Medical School in the Department of Pathology. He has been doing pioneering research in autoimmune disease for over 60 years, where he began to establish the concept of autoimmune diseases and to help immunologists understand that the immune system was capable of a response to healthy tissues and organs of the body and not just foreign viruses and bacteria. He is the co-editor of the classic textbook, The Autoimmune Diseases, and he has published more than 880 articles and has served as an editorial board member of many, many journals. He is an autoimmunity expert for the World Health Organization and the Institute of Medicine of the National Academy of Sciences. Let's welcome Dr. Rose. Today in this special episode, I would like to present Dr. Noel Rose. He has continued to do pioneering research for over 60 years, where he has been instrumental in establishing the concept of autoimmune disease. Help me welcome Dr. Rose today. So if you could, please introduce yourself to the community, and I would love to hear your story about autoimmune research and how you pioneered this new field of autoimmunity as a legitimate diagnosis, set of diagnoses on their own. Okay, well, um, autoimmune disease has been the topic of my career for, as you said, uh, quite a number of years, uh, up to 60, and um, it's still a big challenge. You would ask about the history of autoimmune disease, and um, uh, that is an interesting story. Um, in the 1950s, uh, when I started in um, immunology, all of us were taught that um, the immune response can um, recognize any foreigner, any foreign substance that gets into the body. Uh, this might be an infectious microorganism. That's really what the immune system is designed to do, get rid of bacteria and viruses that can cause disease, but even harmless materials that get into the body can cause inflammation, and so the body tends to eliminate them, and that means the immune system recognizes um, almost anything that's foreign to ourselves, anything that's different from the molecules and substances in our own bodies, and we're all taught that the exception to that rule is um, the self, that we, we recognize everything that's foreign, but we don't recognize ourselves. And that seemed like a very good, satisfying answer, except we really had no understanding how that could possibly be. How does the immune system know what is self and what is non-self? So that was really the problem that 
stimulated my interest. And um, as then a young, uh, a young student and uh, an opportunity to do some research, um, I decided to study that, uh, and I had an opportunity to work with a, a very famous uh, mentor, uh, Professor Witebski, uh, an expert in blood groups, actually, in group A, blood group B, and so on, and um, got him interested in this. And so we, uh, we started to study a protein that is present uniquely in the thyroid gland called thyroglobulin. It's a big protein, and it's, uh, it is, as I said, unique to the thyroid gland. And it looked as if that might be something we could study. So basically, I set up a series of experiments using, in those days, rabbits. Those were the experimental animals of the time. And um, discovered, much to our surprise, that if you really administer thyroglobulin to a rabbit, uh, thyroglobulin from a rabbit to a rabbit, it will actually develop antibodies to it, which was completely against all the rules and really very, very curious. And so we, I studied it a little further and began to wonder if I have produced some sort of disease as a result of that immunization. And, uh, and so I went on to, uh, to take out thyroid of some of these animals that had been immunized with the thyroid protein from the, from, from the rabbits and even from half thyroid of the of the same rabbit, and discovered in fact that what I had produced is a uh, inflammation of the thyroid gland that virtually destroyed the thyroid gland. Uh, that's something we call thyroiditis. It's inflammation of the thyroid, and, and um, then um, really went on with this. And, and after consulting with other other physicians at the hospital. Um, they pointed out that, that the changes that I was producing in the rabbits were very similar to a human disease called Hakimoto disease. Um, many of the uh, patients uh, hear about that disease because it turns out to be a very common disease in women. We didn't know it was so common in those days, but it's a major cause of low thyroid function, particularly in, uh, in women in the... Uh, 40s and 50s and 60s of, of life, mm-hmm. and a clinical problem. And these women have to be treated with thyroid hormone. If they are, they usually get quite well. But it really opened the door to a whole new field, showing that, um, in fact, it is possible to produce an immune response to um, to your own body, and that that immune response, which we call an autoimmune response, can actually produce disease. Mm-hmm. So since the time we've been studying autoimmune diseases in humans, and we now know that many autoimmune diseases, many diseases are autoimmune, first of all, that caused by an autoimmune response, which we can document, and actually can use the presence of those antibodies to show that the disease uh, is underway and that it is caused by autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. So according to uh, the authorities, we have over 100 human diseases that are caused by um, autoimmunity, and uh, they affect any part of the body. They're very different depending on where the 
disease is going on, um, but uh, they're all similar in one respect, and that is they're all due to a, uh, uh, an unexpected uh, and uh, a still uh, not completely understood response. We call it the autoimmune response. Mm -hmm. So there's over 100 different conditions. They all have this one thing in common, this autoimmune disease. There are 100 different diseases that can affect the, they can affect the heart, they can affect the brain, they can affect the uh, skin, they can affect the gastrointestinal tract or the kidneys. Um, so they're very different clinically, and they're treated by different kinds of physicians, and used to, we use different kinds of drugs for them. But if you get down to the root cause, they're all caused by the body reacting um, in a, in a self-reacting uh, self, uh, way, a uh, self-injuring way, and they're all the result of an injury caused by autoimmune disease, autoimmune responses. So it's those, those responses, those responses that I'm interested in in my studies. I like to know what the common features are, what what is the root cause of this, this category of, uh, of disease? And I might say that, uh, that these diseases, um, individually, most of the autoimmune diseases are relatively uncommon. Um, you know, several hundred thousand cases a year. It's not negligible, but they're not, not highly common. But if you put them all together, class them all together the way we, we class uh, cancers altogether, or autoimmune, or caused infectious diseases altogether. They're actually very common. They're probably more common than cancer, and we have as much uh, autoimmune disease in this country as we have heart disease. So it's a big clinical problem. It's a whole area of medicine that didn't exist uh, before I did those initial experiments. Can you tell us why there seems to be such a huge emergence of autoimmune conditions? Uh, are you seeing that there is this growing epidemic? Yes, um, that's a very good point to raise. Um, we're certainly, we certainly recognize more and more diseases as caused by autoimmunity every day. So the number of diseases, the number of patients with the diseases goes up. Well, there are two reasons for it. The first reason is what we call ascertainment. That is, in medicine, you, you, if you don't look for something, you don't see it. Mm -hmm. So many physicians are more aware of autoimmune disease, and they look for it, and uh, they'll find it if they look for it. So it's reported more often. So that, that's just an increase in recognition of the disease. Mm -hmm. But in addition, we do know that at least some of the autoimmune diseases are actually increasing in frequency. There, there are more cases of some of the diseases that we've recognized over the years, and we can count the number of, of cases, and we know the number is going up. Well, why should that be? Well, we know that autoimmune diseases, like most human diseases, are due to uh, a combination of genetic factors, or heredity, and environment, something in the environment, something like infection or, or drugs or, or um, polluting chemicals, something of that sort. Mm -hmm. So um, we know genetics doesn't change that quickly, but we know that environmental factors are going up. So we assume that there is a real increase in some of the autoimmune diseases um, because... Uh, 
there are exposures in the environment that go to trigger this uh, autoimmune response. Mm -hmm. What are some environmental triggers that come to mind? Yeah, I, I, by the way, I don't like the word epidemic because it's increasing at a, at a steady rate. It isn't, uh, it isn't like an epidemic, which tends to grow in a, in a cohort of individuals. But it is a term that's widely used. And um, what are the environmental causes of it? Well, the ones that have been studied best are a few drugs uh, that we know do, do produce an autoimmune disease. Uh, they tend to be drugs that are, that are used to treat heart disease, so uh, they're easily obtained, and we get patients who develop them, and we can show that if we remove the drug, the disease will go away. So we know that uh, that some drugs in some people, these are not these are diseases that are rare, very rare, but these are people who are genetically predisposed to the disease and then develop the, uh, the trigger, as we call it, the environmental effect, and uh, that tends to be the, the, a drug. But the, we think the most common environmental factor is probably infection. Mm -hmm. And we think that in, in many cases there's been an infection, which could be years before the disease occurs, but that's uh, something that starts with the autoimmune disease. That's one of the uh, big areas of study right now. Then there's a long list of things like... Um, um, like uh, smoking is, is a big cause of, uh, of some forms of autoimmune disease. Uh, probably automobile exhaust is another one, and, and urban areas where autoimmune disease are very common in, in solid areas. So there's a long list of things that, that probably play a role, but probably uh, infections are the biggest single cause. Can you tell us a little bit about how autoimmunity has been affecting women? They do, in general, affect women more than men. So if you look at all the autoimmune diseases, all, all hundred of them, or hundred plus of them, um, about 78% of the patients are women, which means that 20% or so are more common in males and females. In males and females. So it, it is, it's a spectrum. And when you see a spectrum, then you know that um, there's a number of factors involved, and that's true for the sex bias, as we call it. We know that we know that uh, changes in hormone level make a difference, and because those occur in women more often uh, in a more dramatic way than in men. Um, so there's a long history of tying autoimmune system to the endocrine system, and that certainly is the biggest single factor. Let's talk about the future. What do you see in terms of the future of autoimmune research? What do you think the emerging uh, issues are going to be? And how can we address these health challenges? Uh, you're asking what is, what is the future going to be in autoimmune disease? Right. Do I understand you correctly? Yes, and maybe even like what people are, um, what are people researching right now in the broad field of autoimmunity? And then what the future is going to look like? Well, right now, of course, it's a field in, in great, it's a great, very dynamic field, a very rapidly moving field. And um, we, we have made great progress in some areas, particularly in ways of, of diagnosing autoimmune disease. And we have good treatment for many of the autoimmune diseases on the list. Of course, these diseases tend to be lifelong, and the treatment 
uh, treatments are, are not easy because they often involve informing the immune response. And when you do that, you increase the risk of infection. But um, basically, we, we, we've come a long way in, in giving long, longer life to patients with autoimmune diseases by treating them uh, with means of, of immunosuppression. But the future is certainly going to be finding ways of treating the autoimmune disease in a much more uh, specific way, where we're not depressing the immune system, but we're just depressing one part of the immune system, just the, the system that's not working properly, without without injuring our ability to uh, contend with infection. And uh, the other necessary part of it is being able to treat people before the damage takes place, because most of the damage with autoimmune disease is irreversible once it happens. Um, you can't reverse a, a heart that's not pumping or a kidney that's not excreting. Um, you can only take it out and put in a substitute, um, and those treatments are very difficult and very expensive, and they require lifelong treatment too. So we really have to get beyond the ways we can treat autoimmune disease now and, and get in there much earlier before the disease has really uh, had its, its irreversible effect on the body. So that's that's where the real uh, exciting research is going on right now. Yeah, there are several things that uh, that women need to understand. First of all, um, most of the autoimmune diseases, again, not all of them, but the great majority of them develop very slowly in the body. Um, so the early symptoms are not particularly characteristic. They're usually things like um, like uh, fatigue, real fatigue, real feeling of exhaustion is, is probably the most common um, earliest signal, uh, signal, and then some muscle pain and joint pain and and um, um, those rather non-specific things. And, and so during that time the doctor, like the patient, is going to be mystified with what actually is going on. So it takes, it may take months and even sometimes years to, to really diagnose an autoimmune disease with any degree of precision. And that tends to be a problem. Uh, the other related problem is that the autoimmune diseases tend to fester. That is, if you have one autoimmune disease, you're, you're somewhat more likely to develop a second autoimmune disease or even a third. So what you get is a mixed picture of several diseases. And, um, and again, they don't fit very easily into our usual categorical, uh, categorical uh, um, silos. And, um, and so, again, the, the physician has a great difficulty in making a precise diagnosis. And the patient has a difficulty in that he will often be treated with, with by different doctors because the treatment depends on where the disease occurs, in, in the kidney, within the heart, and there'll be different specialists involved. So one of the things that I, I do recommend very strongly if women suspect they have an autoimmune disorder is to get together with a with a good general diagnostician, a good physician who, who can diagnose broadly. They are usually um, 
general general internist uh, who can do that and let them go through the diagnosis because if you if you go from doctor to doctor to doctor, it, it often means that the diagnosis is delayed by months and years, and those are months and years of suffering when the disease is getting worse and uh, when the patient is, is getting sicker and sicker. And I think it's much better if you if you have some physician who's with whom you can work and, and with whom you can share your your, your symptoms and let him serve as the uh, as the pilot as captain of the team because in autoimmune diseases uh, since you're, you're you may have more than one um, you, you may very well need a team of physicians to work together so briefly that's that way I would look at it in many of the patients, again, mostly women, uh, you're quite right, mostly women, mostly women in their childbearing years, so it's in their 30s, 20s, 30s, and 40s, when they have biggest family responsibilities and career and building and so on, when these diseases come upon them. And I think getting a diagnosis as soon as possible and a treatment as soon as possible is important. And the treatment, let me again emphasize, was usually specific for the disease. So getting a proper diagnosis is really of the first magnitude. Mm-hmm. You really know exactly what disease or diseases you're dealing with. There's no one treatment cures everything in this field. So if you, if you want to, uh, if you don't want to suffer with the disease, make sure the diagnosis is the very best diagnosis you can get. And before they start to treat in a in a um, in a very specific way, you may need relief of your your pains and and your illnesses. Wouldn't have to suffer the pain, and, and so those things are treated. But they wouldn't go on a treatment until you know what the diagnosis. Is.